Welcome to a special edition of the Chiefs Wire podcast. I'm Ed Easton Jr. On today's episode, we recap the 2020 NFL Scouting Combine with Chiefs Wire Managing Editor Charles Goldman. Also, we hear from my conversation with Missouri offensive lineman Tristan Colin Castillo, Texas Tech's Broderick Washington, and SMU's James Proch as they talk about their experiences at the Combine and what they hope to accomplish for the NFL Draft. Chiefs Wire podcast, we are back, and since this is a special edition of the podcast, we're doing a whole breakdown of the NFL Combine. It's only right we have the man himself. He is the managing editor of the Chiefs Wire, Mr. Charles Goldman, on the line to help break all this down. Charles, how's it going, man? Hey, it's going pretty well. Long long time no speak. (laughs) Yeah, you know, we're laughing because we were actually down in Indianapolis, you know, covering everything together. We spent the entire week down there. And, uh, yeah, so uh, me and him have had plenty to talk about. And, uh, Charles, uh, let me just ask this first, you know, with us being down there. What were your just your impressions being in Indiana, uh, Indianapolis and just the city in general? Uh, well, I, I love Indy. I know there's a lot of talk about moving the combine with um, with the, the new format, with the, the – competitions, uh, the on-field drills and testing being in prime time, and, and they're thinking about taking it on the road, kind of like they do with the Pro Bowl and the draft and all of that. But I, I just can't picture the combine anywhere else but Indianapolis. Um, from a logistical standpoint, I mean, just the downtown area is like perfect for, for getting around. There's not a lot of traffic. People can really just walk to and from their hotels to the to the convention center. It's really easy on the players, the coaches, and the media. Um, I think the more you start moving it around and changing things up, it's just going to make things a little bit more difficult. Um, and, and, you know, Indy, they're such gracious hosts. I mean, the, the people there are wonderful, and uh, they're, they really like having the combine there. And I don't blame them because uh, it's, it's just kind of a really cool event that, that comes back every year. I definitely agree, and this was my first time ever actually being in the city, and just the way everyone was really embracing it, and and it's such an annual tradition of having all the great uh, college players being in the combine and, you know, having the players just literally just be walking around the town because it's that type of town where people are friendly, they're going to talk to you. You didn't feel as if it was like, oh, man, like you feel out of place, you know, and I I think they wanted kind of that comfortable – environment for these guys who are basically putting on a showcase for their livelihood. So uh, I just think it was a good spot, and I, I really hope they don't move it. I know you said the talk has been around possibly moving it out of uh, Indianapolis and treating it like the NFL draft, where it's just a traveling, you know, uh, a different spot every year. I can't see them moving it. It would be great for it to stay there, but I, I think we both know it all comes down to money. So if the NFL can find yeah. a way to make more money there, they're going to find a way to move it. So, um, well, but, uh, I'm but also saying, interested to see what, what their feedback, uh, was on, on moving the, the drills and everything to prime time. Cause I feel like it kind of really like emphasized how, how boring watching these guys go out and do the drills are. <laughs> I mean, it's great for, for us guys who love and live and breathe football, but if, you know, not, not even the average fan, I think is going to, pay a lot of attention or, or, you know, watch from 3 to 10 p.m. Central time, all of these drills. And 
Um, so, so I, I mean, the, the whole idea behind it might actually end up backfiring. No, I, I, I agree, and I've been so used to uh, catching it more of as a, like an earlier thing and not being as publicized as it was this year where you were like, you know, like we said, we're the, the hardcore, um, you know, analysts, fans, et cetera. We're going to make sure we're keeping up on everything that's going on. Having it on prime time, and they did the kind of like a simulcast with NFL Network and ESPN, it's a, it's a different feel for it. And I think people that watched it for the first time, I don't know if they maybe, you know, like you said, the feedback, I don't think a lot of people were really talking about it in the sense of, oh, my God, this is an amazing thing going on. I saw the talk on Twitter, you know, social media for certain guys that, that um, had amazing uh, displays and, and did different things. But that's, that's, that's the case pretty much every year. I, yeah. I don't think putting it prime time made it a bigger deal, in my opinion. My fear, and, and I think we joked about this before, is that, you know, the NFL said, oh, let's have a, uh, a different performer, you know, perform in between the drills or something <laughs> like that. And it becomes like another Super Bowl halftime show thing. And, and that's what I'm hoping doesn't happen. But when you put it prime time, it's definitely open for discussion. And the way everything was so spread out this year, um, our, our friends over at Touchdown Wire, they, they published a great story about um, Utah running back Zach Moss and how the the new schedule for, for the combine events and meetings and workouts and how everything impacted him specifically. And, you know, you have guys who are standing around, you know, for, for hours after they've quote unquote warmed up and then they're expected to come in and, and do these drills cold. And, you know, it's there, some of them are getting hurt. We saw a couple of soft tissue injuries, guys pulling, pulling up lane when they're running their forties. Um, so I, I think there's still some like kinks to work out with, with this whole new schedule and everything. Hopefully the NFL is paying attention and that they can get those under control for, for next year. I definitely agree. And, you know, it's going to be a discussion as with every other discussion that's going on with the NFL right now. But I, I do want to just like, you know, uh, turn our attention to everything that actually did happen with the combine and just watching some of the drills. And, you know, we, I don't know if you want to go through category by category, you just want to, to start naming some of your top guys that you saw in general. But uh, I do want to point out some of the, 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 the 40, you know, when you always talk about the 40, you always talk about guys that are wide receivers. You talk about the quarterbacks. You talk about, you know, those guys in terms of their numbers. How about the offensive linemen? How about the numbers they yeah. were putting up? I was, I was impressed. I didn't know what to expect with these guys. You know, you talk about guys that are, well, some of them over 300 pounds, you know, they don't look that fast, and and they were putting out some pretty good numbers out there that could honestly be on par with some wideouts that may have, you know, not been that great that day or even some tight ends. So I, I was really impressed with the offensive linemen and, and the, the growth in that position in terms of, like, an evolution, guys being more athletic on the line. I just thought it was a great display for a lot of people that don't pay as much attention as they should to that position. Right. I mean, there were a lot of just really solid performances. Like there, there were a couple, I think there were a few that were, you know, sub, sub five 
you know, forties, which is kind of crazy for the offensive line. I think, uh, there is uh, Ezra Cleveland out of Boise State. He had a, he ran a four nine three. He had a great day all around. I, I kind of had him pegged as a guy that that the Chiefs could talk to, but because uh, he he's played kind of that interior uh, position, Chiefs didn't talk to him. A, a lot of the true centers, which I found kind of interesting, the Chiefs didn't didn't talk with them. That, that was kind of a position we thought that they might be interested in upgrading, but I, I think they really like Nick Allegretti because. Basically, every true center I talked to was like, no, we haven't talked to the Chiefs. Informally, formally, nothing. Um, there were a couple other guys, too. There was uh, obviously the, the big-name fella, Tristan Wirfs out of Iowa. Mm-hmm. He ran the best best time. He ran a 4.85. Everybody was talking about him. Um, he's a guy who played right tackle, but I think he can play right tackle, any of the guard spots. Um Heck, he could probably play left tackle if you asked him to. He's really athletic. He moves quick, and he plays with a nasty streak. Uh, he, he had a great day. Then uh, one of my favorites, uh, who I really like for the Chiefs in their zone blocking scheme, uh, Danny Pinter out of Ball State. He, I think, had the second best time. He ran a 4.91 um, and a 40. Obviously, you're looking at the 10-yard splits most of the time for these for, for these offensive linemen. You're not going to watch them run 40 yards very often. I mean, maybe if they're chasing down an interception, like that old video, that old uh, that old clip of Larry Allen from the Cowboys chasing down an interception. But you're never going to see them. You're never going to see them, uh, you know, run down 40 yards. But um, you know, uh, back to Danny Pinter. I mean, this is a guy who's, who's played in his own blocking scheme. He's real athletic. He's perfect body type for what the Chiefs like at guard. He's a former um, uh, former tight end, I believe. So he's still kind of learning the position. But he's a guy that, that I really like for them in the later rounds. When, when you're looking at what the Chiefs have done since Andy Reid has been here with the offensive line, they haven't really, apart from Eric Fisher and, and Mitch Morse, who they let go in free agency, they haven't really um, taken kind of these uh, these high draft picks. They've taken guys in, you know, fourth, fifth, sixth, seventh round. They've developed them and, you know, usually take like a year, year and a half to, to get them into the mix. But, you know, I think they're they're going to keep going along with that path. And, you know, Chiefs fans are like, we've got Patrick Mahomes. We've got to protect him. We've got to invest some of these high draft picks. But, you know, the way they've been doing it has been working. It got them a freaking Super Bowl championship. So, I, I think they're probably going to stick with that um, from from here on out, and so maybe look from you know like the the middle rounds, late day three until uh, you know the end of the draft for them to add maybe an offensive lineman. But you know they got a lot of guys under contract this year too, so um, you know offensive line might not necessarily be on the table as much as we want it to be. No, I definitely see that and. Uh, here's another guy that um, that stood out to me, and, and you know this goes back to what the Chiefs might be looking at. The wide receiver position has been uh, that was pretty much up there for discussion in, in regards to what's going to happen with Sammy Watkins. Are the Chiefs looking to add more depth at that spot? You know, what type of player would they get? A more of a speed guy again, or do you want a big, you know, a big wideout? The name Chase Claypool. I think that's been out there for a while. Obviously, you know what he's at Notre Dame. Was impressive during the combine. You're talking about a guy that's six four, two hundred thirty eight pounds, runs a four four two in the forty. What are your thoughts on him, just in general? 
Yeah, I think he's extremely talented. He he plays with a bit of an edge. I mean, he's he's just he, he attacks the catch point. I mean, he's one of those guys that you want it in in the red zone. And the Chiefs kind of struggled in the red zone this year. Apart from like the the Super Bowl run, they really had some issues throughout the season in the red zone. So I I think you know you you get a guy like that for for the goal to goal goal to go situations. Excuse me, and um, you, you really, yeah, you, know, you, you want him for, for other reasons too. You want him because he's a talented blocker, um, because he's going to free up opportunities for, for other players. Cause he's not a guy that you're going to want to have, you know, a single coverage on. Um, and, and there's a couple of guys like that. I mean, Chase Claypool had a great day. Denzel Mims, I thought, you know, he, he's similar size. Um, he, he had a great day as well. Um, really, if, if I'm the Kansas City Chiefs, the way I'm looking at it is you keep adding weapons to this offense. They're already practically unstoppable as it is. Um, whatever happens with Sammy Watkins, if he stays, if he goes, you want to keep adding weapons to this thing. So, um, yeah, the Chiefs talked to a lot of uh, receivers, too. Um, I, I, I was surprised they had a couple formal interviews, some informal meetings. Um, I, I won't be surprised to see them bring a couple of get guys in on top 30 visits. Um, they, they, yeah, they should definitely add um, some people. And there's some guys, some underrated guys, too, that they could probably wait on. Um, I know there's one guy who had a good day that, that they really like. They talked to him at the East-West Shrine game, John Hightower out of Boise State. And that's yeah. a guy who you can probably get in the fifth round. And, you know, he ran 4-4-3 jumped a 38 and a half inch vertical, um, had good numbers on the three cone, the shuttle. I, I think that's a guy that, you know, you could get in the late rounds that could maybe replace the Demarcus Robinson departure, which is expected. Um, and there's a lot of guys like that. So, I mean, this is definitely one of the wide receiver classes that I, I think I've ever seen. Um, so they'll have some options. I, I don't think they have to force a pick if they, yeah. If there's a guy that they love who they think is a generational talent at 32, I think they go for it. But um, there's really going to be value at every round at that position. Yeah, I I could definitely agree with that. I mean, you're going to get a good player no matter where you're picking in this draft. I'm just looking at in terms of, you know, what they want to do. You said DeMarcus Robinson most likely departing. You're going to lose, I don't know, Sammy Watkins is still up in the air. We don't know. I do see them adding a wide receiver in the draft, but it's you're looking at what what else they need in terms of maybe even a running back. Was there anybody at running back that really stood out to you that you could see the uh, Chiefs taking a chance on? Yeah, they're they're meeting with, with basically everyone <laughs> at the running back position. You you look at their roster right now, and beyond the 2020 season, the only guy that's under contract is. Um, Darwin Thompson, who right. he, he ended the season as the as the the number two running back. But what mm-hmm. you know what what will he do to kind of raise up the ante this next year? We don't quite know that yet. You know, can he be a number one guy? We'll see. Um, but no matter what, they need to add some guys and, and get that depth in there. They say that running back is the most replaceable position. Um, I don't see them drafting a guy before 
on day two simply because with a running back, you're you're practically guaranteeing that you're taking the ball out of Mahomes' hands when you use him, and that's something you just don't you don't want to do. I mean, if you're using him in the passing game, great. You're not taking the ball out of Mahomes' hands. But um, yeah, I don't. The first round running back talk, I I don't buy that. Um, however, they're they're meeting with a lot of these guys. A lot of the guys who are kind of middle to late round guys, um, Clyde edwards Hilaire, Zach Moss. Um, they, they've met with, uh, they had a meeting scheduled with J.K. Dobbins uh, out of Ohio State. Um, but there are a couple of guys, kind of sort of late round guys that, that I thought were a little bit more intriguing. I really liked uh, Anthony McFarlane out of Maryland. I liked what he had to say about, about the Chiefs, about himself, about his game, about what he needs to improve on for the next level. Um, and I thought he had a really good performance at the combine, just not only um, in, in the measurable tests, but the on-field drills, going through the Deuce Staley drill, some of those other drills. Um, I thought he did a really, really nice job. Yeah, I, I could definitely, I could definitely see the Chiefs taking. You know, it's funny. I, I maybe even taking more than one running back. Has that been a? Has, it, has that been something that maybe crossed your mind that they could take more than one? I mean, it's an interesting thought, but I, I, with the way the value of the position is, I don't think so. And there's so many guys in this class. I think you could see them maybe grabbing a couple guys in undrafted free agency because they seem to have a knack for finding guys there. I mean, they they have Darrell Williams still under contract for another year. He's a guy that they found undrafted free agency. Heck, Damian Williams, who had a case to be the MVP of Super Bowl 54, uh, he was an undrafted free agent himself. So you can definitely find some of these guys. Um, it, it's just kind of a matter of, of whether, whether or not you're going to, you know, take, take a guy higher in the draft or if you're, you know, uh, confident and comfortable waiting around thinking that you can sign one of these guys. And I think, you know, the Chiefs obviously coming off of a Super Bowl victory, they're, they're going to have some guys who are like, okay, yeah, I'm going to sign with you over somewhere else in undrafted free agency because, you know, you, you one, believe in me, but two, I want to go play for a Super Bowl champion and a team that could potentially get back there. Oh, yeah, that, that definitely helps in the filming process. I agree with that completely. Uh, just looking now, let's take a, take a look at the defensive side of the ball because the reason why I say that, cause I don't see the Chiefs going quarterback. Now, I know you were kind of mentioning that to me when we were down there uh, during, the, during the interviews that maybe a quarterback could be an option as just an extra backup. Do you, do you even want to address that, or is that something we can move on from? You know, I, I, think, that, um, I, I think that they're not going to be invested in the quarterback position. I think, um, I think that they'll, they'll probably see what they have, um, you know, bring one of the veteran guys back and then see what they have. And the, the fella, Kyle Shermer, um, out of Vanderbilt, who's still under contract, um, I think they can they can kind of make that trio work. Obviously, I mean they're they're looking they're they're looking to not have to you know be in a scenario where they're going to need their backup quarterback. Um, but but it's clear that you know they can scheme a win together if they if they need to. So I, I don't think the quarterback position um, is something they'll. Okay. However, we get 
we get to the defensive side of the ball, things are a little different. They got <laughs> a lot of needs there. Definitely very different. And uh, I do want to jump into uh, one name that obviously pops out there. And I'm only going to put him out because I know he, the Chiefs pretty much don't have a shot at getting him. But Isaiah Simmons, can we at yeah. least address his performance <laughs> at the Combine and how much it's going to help his stock? Yeah, he's a, a bad, bad man. <laughs> that's, a, that's a player that um, can't plug him in anywhere. You want to play him at linebacker, you want to play him at, at, at outside linebacker, safety, probably line him up at slot corner or even outside. I mean, he is a very talented athlete, um, a, a local player uh, from the Kansas City area. So, yeah, I mean, I think um, – I think he definitely, he definitely helped his stock quite a bit. I think he cemented himself as a top five draft pick. Uh, I, I, I don't think teams are going to overthink it with him. He is just that talented. Um, you had a couple other linebackers uh, that that kind of put up really good performances as well, um, but no one really ran quite as well as Simmons did. I mean, you had. Uh, Jordan Brooks from Texas Tech. He's another top guy. He ran a four-five-four. Um, you had Kenneth Murray ran a four-five-two. Um, Patrick Queen, I think, did, did Queen run? I don't know if Queen ran. Oh yeah, he did. He four a four-five, but if I recall mm-hmm. correctly. Um, so I mean, some a lot of the top guys they ran fast, and that's what you need. You need those guys who can run and cover. Um, Davion Taylor out of Colorado, that's a player that, that I think people were kind of too low on. Um, and and he he was, you know, he, he was impressive. I, he looked really fluid in the drills. He ran a 4-4-9, which uh, that's a solid time for him. Um, I think he's a little bit undersized compared to some of these other guys. Um, and then the guy who really impressed me from that group uh, was a Mississippi State, uh, Willie Gay Jr. Now, this is a guy, teams are going to have to do their background on him because he's had some off-field stuff. Uh, he was he, he had a suspension and stuff like that um, for, for breaking team rules. Or, uh, you know, we'll, we'll see. Um, but the Chiefs have shown that they're willing to take risks on guys with those character issues. You know, if, if he interviewed well and he, he showed well, um, you know, when he was in close, behind closed doors with these teams, that's a guy that could really kind of see his stock fly. I mean, he's he's made of muscle. He ran a four four six. Um, his uh, <laughs> you know he had, he did good good on the bench press. Uh, I think he had twenty twenty one reps, something like that. And uh, yeah, he he just generally really good performance. He was never a, a, a starter. Uh, at Mississippi State, he was kind of always like a reserve player, a role player, a guy who came in when when someone else was injured. Um, but I think you know at the next level, this is something that teams are going to have to kind of project: is this guy going to be a starter? Uh, and, and I'm not so sure. Um, another guy who who really stood out to me was Michigan's uh, Kaliki Hudson. I think he had like 30 reps of of 225 on the bench press, which is crazy because he's kind of a a smaller guy. I think he came in at like under six foot. So um, that that's one to watch in the middle rounds um, for, for KC as well. I definitely agree with that. And just also looking at what the Chiefs need and 
you know, you always had defense, defense. They took a lot of uh, big strides uh, last season with the group they had out there. The secondary, when you talk about defensive backs, whether it's going to be a corner or safety, who were the standouts and who were some guys that you, you could see, like, fitting in with uh, Matthew and, and company? Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of them. Um, Jeff Gladney, really confident, um, smart player. He, he was fun to talk to. Um, Ohio State's Damon Arnett, um, I could see him uh, fitting in nicely. Um, yeah, there, there were really a lot of guys uh, that, that I thought, you know, one, that the team was meeting with um, at the cornerback position. Two, that, that I just thought kind of, you know, it felt like they fit. Christian Fulton out of LSU. Um, uh, Harrison Hand out of Temple is another guy that, that I kind of felt like he, he could kind of fit in nicely. Um, hmm. uh, Jalen Johnson out of Utah. Uh, he's a guy who met with the Chiefs. He had a formal meeting, uh, sit down with uh, with Spags and with uh, with with uh, defensive back coach. They were breaking down film together. Uh, he said it went out, it went extremely well, um, and, and that he got a really good impression from the Chiefs, and he felt like he left a really good impression on them as well. So, I, I as far as I can tell, I mean the Chiefs seem like they're going to invest in the defensive back position. Now, last couple seasons, they've kind of been the opposite. You know, they've found their starters through free agency or undrafted free agency trade late in the draft. Um, I think they're going to kind of maybe turn a page on that this year. I could see them even going and grabbing a couple of guys because, I mean, they have three guys that are expected to become free agents and uh, Morris Claiborne, Kendall Fuller, and then, of course, Bashad Breeland, who is a starter. Um, so they're looking for, for guys who won't only come in and, you know, um, and play for the team, but can contribute early, who can come in and, and kind of mix in pretty early there. So um, and I think maybe look at some of the guys who, who play a little safety, but who can also play nickelback, um, at that nickel corner spot. I think that um, – that those guys could be on the radar for the Chiefs potentially, um, you know, in looking toward the future with potential departure of maybe Dan Sorensen or just having another one of those guys is useful with, you know, the way the Chiefs like to have a lot of defensive backs on the field um, in their, their nickel and dime packages. I definitely hear that. And, and an interesting thing that I got just by speaking with several of the defensive backs there they always name their like top three, um, you know, second players that players, uh, defensive backs all time, whether it's a, a former player, current player. Matthew's name pretty much filled up the entire uh, interview room. I, I've heard every player just mention Tyrant Matthew as one of their their inspirations in terms of playing the position. What do you think that that means for a guy like you know uh, Tyrant Matthew? He's very vocal. He's very out there to be hearing already that he's an inspiration to so many of these players. Yeah, he's uh, just a, a fantastic, fantastic player. He's proven that to us. And, um, you know, guys are taking note of the way he plays the game. But, but it's not just what he does on the field. It's what he does in the huddle. It's what he does uh, off the field. They're really taking notice of him as, as a whole and seeing that and and. Kind of seeing that example and 
they they want to they want to go out and do the same thing. You look at his positional versatility too. I think that was a, a big thing that I heard often was just oh he can play you know whatever linebacker slot you know line him up have him blitz whatever he can do it all. We we want to be able to do it all too. Um, and and I think that it kind of goes back to a guy like like even Isaiah Simmons. I mean, he's a linebacker and he said he's inspired by Tyron Matthew. So you've got all these different players that are, you know, athletes and they're all playing different positions, quote unquote, but, but are they really? It's almost like a positionless secondary beyond the defensive line. You have all these players that are coming into the NFL now that, that can play and do a lot of different things and they want to do more. So uh, I, I think we're going to see that more and more. Uh, I think that, that, you know, Tyron Matthew kind of started a bit of a revolution that way, being that type of player that can play all over the defense and, and fit in and be a mismatch. And um, more players, they, they, they want to do that. They want to be that same type of guy. Exactly. And uh, since we're talking about stories, and we heard a lot of them during the week from different players. What was some? What were some of your favorite stories that you heard during your interviews with uh, several of the players at the combine? Man, we we got a lot of good ones. Um, we got a lot about the Chiefs, but we also got just some some generally um, enjoyable stories from from some of the players out there. Um, I think it was a it was a, a lineman, defensive lineman from Ole Miss. Um, he told me a story about um, when he was in. Gosh, he was in, uh, I think, peewee football. And he said there was one game where where I had every tackle, <laughs> every single tackle in the game. So we asked him a little bit more about it. And he's like, well, so lining up at, at nose tackle. I was like eight years old. And the, the center couldn't even get the ball snapped by the end of the game because he was just so quick and dominant. Um, he was getting sacks, tackles, tackles for loss. Uh, he said they won the game <laughs> by like by like forty points or something. It's just uh, it's just insane. Uh, you, you hear some some silly stories like that, and then you hear stuff that's like deeply personal. Um, Alabama defensive lineman Raekwon Davis, for instance, he was wearing um, a chain that had an amulet on it with a picture of a girl and. I was really curious. There was a gentleman next to me at the at the podium. We were both really curious about it. He was like, "Do you?" I, I, someone asked him about it, and he was like, "Oh, this is my this is my guardian angel," um, and and then kind of moved on to the next thing. And it wasn't like a really satisfying answer for us. We wanted to know more. And this guy next to me whispers to me, "He's like, do you know about that? What what that's about?" I'm like, "No, no." So I, I ask a follow up question, ask him to elaborate a little bit. And, um, you know, he tells us her name and that they're friends and she had passed away about eight years ago and that he wears that amulet every day and that, um, that she's always with him and reminding him of, you know, how, how precious life is. And, you know, you, you get these different stories um, from, from these players and uh, it, it, it's really just a nice, um, <laughs> a nice venue and, and place to, be able to do that because you're not going to hear these types of things or see these types of things elsewhere. Um, 
I talked to the Nebraska defensive lineman, Khalil and Carlos Davis, who grew up in Blue Springs, Missouri. Um, I'll have a story about this one later on Chiefs Wire. Um, but they they grew up Chiefs fans. Um, they were both adopted. Their dad was a diehard Chiefs fan and really kind of helped um, instill that, that fandom in them. So they, they told me what it meant to see um, – you know, the Chiefs win Super Bowl 54. And that was a really cool moment hearing from both of them. Um, because, you know, as being a Chiefs fan myself, I, I kind of shared that some of these similar feelings with them. So it was just cool to see that and um, to hear that from them. And um, but yeah, I mean, there were a ton of great stories. Uh, we have a couple up on Chiefs Wire already. Um, some good ones from that, that we had from, you know, the week that, that we posted. Um, I've posted a few since then, um, one on Kentucky's Lynn Bowden Jr., who is a quarterback, wide receiver, running back, athlete extraordinaire. And um, he he used to go up and practice against uh, the Chiefs linebacker coach, uh, who was previously the defensive coordinator of Kentucky. And they had a unique relationship in that, I think he, he, the words he told me, he's like, he couldn't stand me. <laughs> I'm like, wait, what? <laughs> so that was a really fun story, uh, hearing about them kind of going at it in practice. Um, then, uh, you know, there, there were other silly stories. Gosh, uh, Ben Barch um, mm-hmm. out of St. John's, I believe. I believe it was Ben Barch. Um, to put on weight uh, to play offensive linemen, um, he – had this just disgusting smoothie that was like scrambled eggs, like milk, um, cheese. uh, It just had all sorts of gross stuff. And and then, and then he topped it with like red Gatorade or something. And it's just sounded absolutely vile, but he was explaining it to reporters and said it worked. It helped him fill out his frame. So, (laughs) um, and then, of course, uh, we have a story up on, on Chiefs Wire now about um, Anthony McFarland, who I spoke about earlier, the running back out of Maryland. He has been compared to Jamal Charles before, uh, former Chiefs running back. So uh, that's a player that you know um, Kansas City could have some interest in based off of that comparison alone. But, I mean, they've definitely taken notice. They had a formal interview with him. They released a... Um, a short of video from the combine. Uh, one of their, they do these off season shorts and, um, and uh, McFarlane was actually featured in that. So check out that video. That was pretty, it was pretty cool. Um, but yeah. I mean, you hear just a lot of these stories that you're, you're not getting them anywhere else, but at the NFL com- scouting combine. So I appreciate the NFL for, for giving us that venue um, uh, to talk to these players and, mm-hmm. you know, um, we got plenty of stories that are kind of saved up in, in the memory banks here for when, for when the Chiefs potentially take some of these players that we spoke to. Right. We definitely do. And uh, I just also wanted to piggyback on some of the stories that I heard as well um, in, you know, conversations with the players. Uh, Broderick Washington, defensive lineman for um, Texas Tech, he, when we were speaking, he, he wasn't really big on, like, boasting himself up. But like, a lot of these guys uh, during these interviews, they want to say why they're the best at this position, why they should be taken higher in the draft, because it's all about selling yourself. 
he was pretty like low key with that. that. That wasn't really his whole thing. He's more of a see me on the field type of player. But he gave me the most content, the most um, uh, you know, his story in regards to like who he felt like was the toughest quarterback he's ever faced in college. It wasn't even an opponent. It was a player on his own team, and it happened to be Patrick Mahomes, who he played with during his freshman year. And he was very detailed into it, talked about just, you know, the type of competitor he was, the type of leader he was. Uh, it just it was very interesting, and that's actually on the Chiefs Wire site as well, how he was, he was just he was so ready to talk about Patrick. Um, and I didn't even bring his name up. He just right away went, Pat Mahomes, no hesitation. So I just thought that was very interesting. Uh, Charlie Warner, who uh, tight end for Georgia, played with McCall Hardman. He talked about how proud he was of everything that he accomplished, you know, becoming a pro bowler, obviously winning a championship with the Chiefs. I thought that was cool. And then also um, McCall Hardman, because I actually tweeted this out. McCall Hardman retweeted it and uh, shouted out Charlie as well. And you love to see that camaraderie with guys that were, you know, former teammates, uh, just making sure that they're being seen. And these, uh, you know, the combine is a very important time for them to be seen by these different uh, scouts, different teams, and and just have their profile raised. So I thought that was really cool having McCall Hardman do that. Uh, Travis Kelsey did the same thing with uh, an interview that I tweeted that you were doing with the uh, uh, tight end for Cincinnati. I, I'm sorry, his name is just gave me right now. I know you uh, know Josiah Deguara. Yeah. Yes. So you just love to see the support that they're giving, like their alma mater, you know, former teammates. Uh, it's really a cool thing, and, and you, they also realized from being in that position maybe a couple of years ago how important it is to be seen during that time. So I just thought that was a really cool thing about the combine. Yeah. Um, and, and then also, I mean, it, it's not just the, the players either. I mean, some of these players have relationships with people on the coaching staff, Um I, I talked to a lot of the guys from, from Utah, um, and they played with uh, Alex Whittingham, who's currently a um, defensive quality control coach for the Chiefs. And, um, you know, they were they were all like, oh, yeah, Alex, I, I either talk to him here or talk to him every now and again. And, um, you know, it's just it's, it's fun seeing that, seeing that type of camaraderie that they still have with, with the people who played at their alma mater. I mean – you know, they say football is family. You you have a lot of these coaches who maybe when they were in a different position, they recruited some of these guys to their schools. They ended up somewhere else. And then now, now they're, they're having a chance to be reunited again. So there are all these, these unique little connections that are almost familial that you'll, that you'll run into at the combine. Um, and, and they're fun to see, you know, kind of develop um, as careers progress. Exactly, and um, I just got to ask you a final takeaway from the 2020 NFL Combine. Yeah, you know, I think uh, I think this is a really talented class of players. Um, I think that that the Chiefs have kind of you know shown shown their hand a little bit in terms of the players they're interested in evaluating the most. Um, they had a lot of interviews with guys, the defensive backs, uh, and the running backs and wide receivers. So I feel like those are positions you can kind of expect them to, to target. Um, defensive linemen are also an option, but I was kind of unimpressed with this group of defensive linemen this year, um, both edge rushers and interior guys. So um, I, I, I'm not sure, you know, if they do go that route, 
expect them to go that route early just to ensure they get one of the top guys. Um, but yeah, it, it great, great NFL scouting combine this year. I think that, um, you know, they got one year left in Indy. I hope they, they stay there beyond that, that one year. Um, and, and, you know, continue to get things done the way they've done these, uh, past several years. I agree. And before we sign off, I just want to say, Charles, thank you very much for the opportunity. This is my first time down there, and uh, I enjoyed it. It was amazing just being, like, in the presence of, like, all these talented players and just being in the city of Indianapolis. And I was getting to hang with you and uh, a lot of members of the USA Today family. So it was, uh, I really appreciate it. It was a great time. Hey, it was, it was an absolute blast, and uh, we're, we're going to try to do it again next year. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely looking forward to it. Uh, make sure you check out all the articles on ChiefsWire.com. And, uh, Charles, until next time, take care. Until next time, my friend. For more information on this story and others, head over to ChiefsWire.com, and we'll give you all the details you need on the Kansas City Chiefs. I just want to ask you, um, how has the process been so far, like, you know, being part of Combine? What's been running through your mind? Um... Pretty much, I've just been enjoying every minute of it because most people don't get this opportunity. And um, I know there's a lot of guys that's back home right now working out that wish they had this opportunity. So um, I just look at it as a blessing and I'm going to make the most of my opportunity. And the thoughts in my head is just make the most of it, really, and just enjoy it. Yeah, is, there, um, is there a player like in the NFL either today or in the past that you probably looked up to that helped inspire you to take this route? Not really. Um, kind of fell in love with football um, in like middle school, and after that, I just played the game to play and to compete, really. But um, I would say I, I watch a lot of players, and um, one of my favorite players right now in the NFL is Fletcher Cox. So. Okay. In regards to just like players that you may have played against, um, who, or even like in practice, like who was the toughest uh, quarterback for you to uh, try and take down? Pat Mahomes. Pat Mahomes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Can you tell us uh, something about Pat Mahomes, which made him so tough from your point of view? Just the way he played the game. Um, it'd be times in practice where you think you got him, but. Right before you get there, somebody end up being open, or he throws a receiver open, and it's just, it's just really difficult because he, he really sneaky fast, and um, he's a great player overall. And yeah, I, be, I feel like he's the hardest quarterback that I've had to face. How many years did you play with him? Um, I think two. Two years. Yes, sir. Anything about him? That kind of stood out. Everybody's seen what he's done on the field, but what kind of guy is he? I mean, what you got to know. Was he well liked by his teammates? Or? Yeah, pretty much. Um, he pretty just cool, laid back guy. Um, was always working and always trying to find ways to get better, better himself. Um, and he was just all around pro, pretty much. Uh, what do you want for all these teams that are going to be here at the Combine? What do you want them to take away from your game? That it's only going to get better. 
Atris, how's it going? Good, uh, hey, the USA Today. I uh, just want to ask you, um, what is running through your mind as you're going through this whole combine process and eventually the draft? Uh, just, you know, uh, just kind of taking it day by day, step by step, enjoying the whole entire time. Uh, you know, obviously, this is a once in a lifetime opportunity, so uh, just kind of soak it all within, uh, make sure I'm enjoying it, uh, not getting too caught up in everything, you know. Uh, Controlling what I can control, and uh, that's something that's all my mindset going forward. I hear you, and obviously you're a Missouri native, so um, just like the whole process um, with, with everything happening with the Super Bowl, can you just describe just the uh, atmosphere and just like maybe you being a Chiefs fan, possibly? Uh, I'm not a Chiefs fan actually. Uh, you know, there's not really a team that is root for more than anybody else, but uh, for the most part, uh, I know it's big for you know, the state of Missouri, no doubt. Though, uh, obviously, St. Louis left, went to. Uh, LA, KC kind of became a primetime team for Missouri. Uh, a lot of people just kind of converted, root for them. And uh, I know how much it meant to you know, that state. And, uh, I know I, a lot of teammates in Missouri that were from KC and were Chiefs fans. I don't know how much to do. So uh, no doubt that was obviously something huge for the state. What's it like going through this with some of your teammates? Uh, who's your agent? Uh, I signed with uh, Andrew Ross with uh, SSG. Okay, and where are you training? Uh, I trained down in Atlanta with Chip Smith. Have you had any meetings with the Texans? Uh, I have not, no. Any meetings with the Cowboys? Uh, I had in a, a little informal uh, interview that I had with them two nights ago. Do you have any formal set up for this uh, I got a formal set up tomorrow morning. And I, I, I don't know who with who it is. Oh, mystery. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I, I kind of have to go still, go look at the door, see who it is. But yeah, yeah, formal tomorrow morning. Uh, you know, we did a lot of things, uh, especially, you know, these last two years I played Missouri. Uh, we were in a bunch of pro-style schemes, things like that. So uh, especially with guys like Brad Davis, my offensive line coach, you know, preparing me, uh, making sure I knew the game. I was able to, you know, list fronts, list blitzes, uh, be able to read, you know, simple things like a stack or being able to tell there was like, where pressure can come from, things like that, and protection. And then the running game, just being able to notice tendencies, you know, playing low, playing with a low hat, things like that. So, um, you know, they did a really good job preparing me, and I'm kind of ready for this next step. You guys have six different Tigers here. How cool is it and how nice is it to be able to experience something like this for the first time with a bunch of your teammates? Oh, it's a great time. Uh, I'm not going to lie. We were, we were all eating dinner last night together and just joking around, things like that. Yeah. But, uh, oh, yeah, it's, I mean, it's something crazy. Uh, obviously, you know, uh, it's like I said earlier, it's a once in a lifetime opportunity, and you know, to be able to get to do it with like your boys and things like that, it's something that you know I'm always gonna remember and cherish. When you guys are sitting together at dinner after what two days or three days of already being here at the uh, combine, what are some of the things you guys are talking about? Uh, we were just kind of like talking about you know how everybody's interviews and things were going. Uh, asking each other, you know, what kind of questions, what's everybody been asking, uh, just those kind of things. And then, you know, uh, like Kale and Jordan got it yesterday. So then yesterday was kind of their first day, so, you know, kind of helping prepare them. Like Albert and Kelly did for me and Yaya when we first got here. So just yeah. kind of those things, helping each other out, uh, trying to, you know, make it a lot more easy transition. Yeah, um, you guys still have a little ways to go in the week, mm -hmm. but what are you kind of looking forward to? Like, what is the most exciting part of this? 
Uh, obviously, the the testing part is obviously the most uh, fun part about all of it. Yeah. But you know, I've kind of enjoyed like the interviews and stuff at night. Uh, getting you know, you literally just talk ball for hours on hours, just talking X's and O's, and uh, that's something obviously I really really enjoy. Yeah. So being able to do that with coaches, you know, scouts, things like that, show you know that football IQ, football knowledge, uh, it's been a really fun time for me. So you obviously block for Kelly Bryant, mm-hmm. keep him clean. How do you think he'll be at the next level? Can he be successful as a quarterback in the NFL? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Uh, I think, you know, Kelly brings a lot to the table that a lot of people uh, probably don't give him credit for, you know. And so I'm really excited for him and the process he's going through right now, but I definitely think he can play and succeed at the next level. Yeah, so um, new coach at Mizzou, kind of a changing of the guard while you guys, right after you guys leave, yeah. you had a chance to meet with Drinkwitz, and kind of what do you think about all that? I have not yet. Uh, you know, I know they're trending in the right direction. Uh, obviously, I'll be rooting for them. Uh, you know, Mizzou, Mizzou yeah. Tiger at heart, always will be, things like that. But, uh, yeah, so I, I haven't got to meet, meet with them yet. Okay, so how tough was it to lose a guy like Odom who's been a part of that program for so long? Really tough. You know, uh, Odom gave it all. He put his whole heart into it. And uh, being one of those guys in the locker room with him and knowing, you know, how much he meant to the players in that on that team and uh, how much he poured into it, uh, Definitely, it's, it hurt. It hurt to see him go and things like that. But you know, I'm happy for him. Uh, he's DC down Arkansas. I uh, was able to pick up right where he left off. So uh, I'm happy. I'm going to be obviously following him, see how it goes for him. So what makes you different? Why are you better than all the other offensive <laughs> Uh You know, uh, I think I bring a, a little bit more to the table, uh, knowledge-wise. Uh, I'd like to think, you know, that I'm able to play harder and longer than a lot of people here. Uh, it's kind of been my whole uh, thing going on. I'll college play harder than anybody that's playing next to you or in front yeah. of you. And uh, I feel like that's going to transition really well for me at the next level. I love that. So everybody who comes up and talks to you asks you who you interview with. Have you interviewed with the Chiefs? I haven't, okay. actually. Yeah, yeah. Perfect. That's all I need. Cool. I just had another question on. Yeah. Is there a current player that you would probably be able to reach out to or maybe reached out to you in regards to just, you know, helping you through the process or just, like, giving you advice? Uh, yeah, no, I mean, there's all kinds. Of, I can probably reach out to any of the Missouri guys. I know a lot of them will definitely hit me back if I needed to. Uh, <clears throat> just through the combine, uh, they put, like, a legend uh, like I'm, I know our group mentors like Will Shields, and you know he made that known from the beginning. You know we need anything, come reach out to him, talk to him, things like that. So uh, no doubt, there's definitely the, those resources out there if I need them. And um, growing up, was there a, a certain player that inspired you to you know obviously want to pursue this route? Uh, more uh, more later on uh, in high school and kind of college and things like just watching like NFL players and things like that, and uh, watching guys like Mitch Morris and Justin Bird that play in Mizzou and things like that, and then watching guys like Jason Kelsey when they've been playing in the league, so uh, no doubt. Thank you awesome. Much, Thanks, man. I appreciate it. Thank you. Okay. Hey, you. Hey, you. Nice to meet you. Today, uh, I just want to ask you, growing up, was there a, uh, a wide receiver that you wanted yeah, to follow? Yeah. Like, to this day, like, this, I take out all the receivers. He's a dog, man. He got that dog mentality. Like, a lot of people say, yeah, I'm back to playing uh, football. And, like, being, like, we're, we're similar in stature, you, you got to bring that dog to you. You got to bring it. You got to a lot of people, a lot of receivers, like, uh, we get labeled divas, you know, but uh, I feel like he's kind of changing that narrative, you know.
and uh, that's something I want to follow. Definitely. And have you spoken to him? Have you had any connection with him? Nah, I wish. I hope so soon. Yeah, I hope so. It's really good. Yeah. Um, and now, obviously, you said you the up-tempo offense with SMU. Um, is there, like, an offensive league that you see right now that just... Nah, not really. Uh, I'm a football player. I feel like I'm a very diverse receiver. I try to be uh, work on being balanced as a receiver, not a... Uh, uh, limit, my, limit myself because you never know where you're going to end up. You know, if I get drafted by one team, you know, I might get traded to another team. You know, the contract's up, I'll meet you know, another team. So I'll try to diversify myself. And be ready for I say it's only because like the Super Bowl champion Chiefs have yeah. the up tempo offense mm-hmm. and um, their owner actually has yeah, right there. Yeah, I just met him a couple weeks ago. Oh, you did? Yeah. Okay, so you had spoken with the Chiefs mm-hmm. in the sense. Yeah. That's really big. Um, just also like um, going through his process, like how has it been just, you know, obviously jumping Bro, it's a blessing, man. Like I used to like sit my my phone on the school desk watching the combine. You know, it was in the morning, uh, getting in trouble for that. And I'm here now, so I'm just I'm blessed, man. Very blessed. You excited for the dash? You excited for the dash? Yeah, I'm just I'm excited for everything, man. Like uh, just to come out and prove myself. Uh, I work very hard in this game, put a lot of effort into it, so uh, I'm excited to you know show up more. For everyone at Chiefs Wire, we'd like to thank you for tuning in to today's episode. Make sure to follow us on social media at The Chiefs Wire for more information. I'm Ed Easton Jr. Check us out next time.